Okay, I'm going to do a podcast, and I'm going to talk about Babylon. Uh, where I'm at right now, there's a lot of road noise, and I can't avoid it. So in this podcast, you might hear a lot of motor vehicles. From time to time, I might cover the microphone if there's some loud traffic going past me. But um, I'm going to talk about Babylon. Now, this is super interesting. Uh, this can be more of a historical con- um, podcast with, like, historical uh, interests. So right now... Um, the devil and the false prophet and the Antichrist, they're able to build Babylon. They have permission from God to build Babylon. And that's super interesting to me because uh, they won't do it. And so uh, this podcast is about Babylon and just some really interesting things about how the end times are going to begin and uh, what will happen after. How the end times is beginning is super, super interesting. And in the earth, we don't see it yet, but in the years to come, we'll see it a lot. You might see Jesus preaching the gospel in 20 years, all the apostles doing it. Um, There'll be Babylon built at some point and a whole bunch of really interesting things. And so one of the interesting things about this is uh, Lucifer, the false prophet, and the Antichrist, um, they're interested in building the Bab- um, building Babylon, I think, but they are not doing it. And a lot of there might be a lot of different reasons. Now, one of them is I think that they don't know how. And when they do anything in the earth, they want to look impressive. Uh, one thing you might not know about them is they want to claim to be God or greater than God, actually. And they might do both. They're going to claim that in the beginning, before God created the heaven and the earth and the universe, they're going to claim that they were gods already, but that um, everyone's heavenly father stole their power and they're going to try to steal it back. So that's like they're one of their big claims that they're going to make. But another thing that's really interesting about this is um, they're treating Babylon like it's a piano or a sewing machine or a uh, some sort of intricate working machine that um, everyone expects to work perfectly. You might not know this if you don't play piano or if you don't sew, but everyone that has a sewing machine expects it to work perfectly every time. And if it doesn't work, it needs to be repaired. If it needs to be repaired a lot, they're kind of disappointed, you know? Maybe they want a different one. But Babylon's is not a piano or a swing machine. It's a city. And so if it's not perfect immediately or whatever their plan is, I don't know what their plan is, people might not like it or whatever. Uh, not everyone might not like it. So I think they want to build a city that everyone will like, which is funny because um, I don't know anyone that can build a city that everyone will like. So when they build Babylon, uh, a piano needs to be perfectly tuned. So everyone expects the piano to be perfectly tuned. Believe it or not, that was a motorcycle, and it is like a half a mile away from me now. It was so loud. <laughs> that was a loud motorcycle. And so they're treating it like it's a piano or something. Like it needs to be perfect. Now what's funny is um, also they don't. I think they don't know where to build it. That's going to sound funny, but. God promised the promised land to Abraham 3,200 years ago. And the promised land goes from the river Euphrates to the river Nile in Egypt. All of East Africa, or a lot of it, Saudi Arabia, all the way to Asia, that's the promised land. And Israel is like a small piece of land in the promised land, relative size comparison. And so what's interesting about this is God did give Israel to the 12 tribes, but the rest of the promised land was supposed to be given to Abraham and God never gave it. But God did say he would give it to it both in the Bible. And, uh, when I was an angel, he spoke it to me. It's a different story. If you don't listen to podcasts, you can catch up on that later. And so what's interesting about that is God never gave the promised land to Abraham, but I think Lucifer has been negotiating to try to get it for a long time. And so Lucifer wants to build Babylon in the promised land directly south of Israel. So it's like, if you take one step out of Israel, you'll see Babylon. He wants them to see it every day, just like Lot who saw Sodom when Sodom, um, you know, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom and every day when he woke up, he saw Sodom. 
when he walked out of his tent. And so he wants everyone in Israel to see Babylon. He wants to be right there, big and obvious, so they can see it, I think, is what he's going to want. But I think he doesn't know how to build buildings, and he doesn't know how to do city design, but also I think he doesn't know where to get the financing. Like, he might have a lot of ideas, but Lucifer, he's a thief. He likes theft, so he, he wants to steal the money. But a, a, a city, actually a kingdom, Babylon's supposed to be like a kingdom, I think. That's That might be a lot of money. That might be like... Five billion, fifty billion, a hundred billion dollars to build something that big it could be more or less money. So that's a really expensive, dude. And so you can't just steal that money from anyone, as far as I know. You can't even get it by printing money, as far as I know. So I don't even know where they're going to get like the money. So that, that's funny because Lucifer, if he tries to build Babylon, he'll have to do like finance negotiations with people who have money, which almost puts him at equal footing with other people. And so for Lucifer, he does not want to do that. He is proud. He wants to think of himself as being higher than everyone else, better than everyone else, the, the best, the greatest, the Lord, the King, your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Almighty God. He wants to be like the biggest, the best. He wants to tell you what to do with your money. He doesn't want to negotiate for a loan. And so I think Lucifer's not going to like being in that position because not every businessman wants to just give their money to the devil. And the other thing is Lucifer's a murderer. So if Lucifer negotiates and that guy says no, Lucifer might try to murder him or murder him. And then every other businessman might just run away. And then Lucifer has no businessman coming to loan him money now. Lucifer would have to try to restrain himself and control himself. He never wants to control himself. Ever. Lucifer is a murderer, man. Now, another funny thing is this, at this moment, you guys don't see the false prophet, the antichrist and the devil in the earth, but soon you might see their faces on social media, Instagram, uh, TikTok girls might be doing TikTok dance someplace in Washington, DC. And then Lucifer might stroll up into the fucking white house, flying down from heaven, like an angel. And you're like, and he's in the back of the video because he doesn't even notice there's a TikTok video going on. Like you might start to see Lucifer all over the news. Uh, the false prophet might be all over the news promoting their agenda and their plans and explaining uh, his lies. And his lie is that they were all God before God made the universe. So he says that before God made the universe, they were all like outside the universe and then God stole their power, which is actually really funny because um, you, you might not be interested in all this, but I'm just going to say it because it might be super interesting to some people. When God made this universe, it was the only universe he'd made, but he'd also already made something larger called the multiverse. He calls it like a nickname. That's what we call it now because we don't know what to call it. And then that can be filled with millions, hundreds of millions of universes. And then he made a shitload of multiverses, um, at least 10,000 is my guess. And that's in what we call the omniverse, like everything, we guess. But that's all I've seen. There's other stuff he's created that's outside of the omniverse. I mean, his creation is so fucking immense. It's fucking huge, dude. I mean, you cannot believe how big it is. This universe is fucking massive. And this is one of 40 universes he's created since this is the first one. He's created 39 more. It's just, it's just random that this is the first one. It's not arrogance. It doesn't mean we're the best or anything like that. It's just kind of random. Like, we're here first. And then now there's 39 more. And they're young universes, man. I mean, they're, they're young. They're like a year old, you know. He's going to make a lot more. And so um, what's funny to me and really interesting is that um, when they come up with this idea of like, oh, before God made the universe, um, we were God. It's funny to me because there's way more. God made this fucking huge, I mean, just massive universe. I mean, it's fucking incredible. And then there's more. There's, now there's more universes. We call it the multiverse and the omniverse because we don't know what to call it. But the creation is fucking huge. And I've actually seen stuff that's outside the creation. One day I'll talk about that. And so it's funny because they have this weird lie. And you're going to see the false prophet, the devil, and the antichrist on the news, I think. Uh, that's what I think. They're kind of shy, I think. I think that it's going to sound weird, like public speaking anxiety. I think if when they talk and you know they're a liar, they, they're going to feel shy and timid like any man. And so it's kind of funny because, you know, they are just regular men, actually. So um, another thing about Babylon that's actually really funny is, like I said, they don't know where they're going to build it. So he wanted to build it just south of 
Israel. I mean, literally like right on their doorstep, like, like a hundred feet away, maybe literally like if you walk outside of Israel one step and then it's a hundred feet away, that's like 33 more steps. You would be in Babylon in a building like that fucking close. I'm not kidding. I think he wants to build it that fucking close. And so then he found out about the promised land. I was like, Lucifer, don't you remember that God gave the promised land to Abraham? He's going to give it to Abraham, you dumb fuck. God's not going to give it to you. So Lucifer, he's trying to negotiate with God to get the promised land. And this is another side story, but I'm telling you guys, because later this might be fucking hilarious. Lucifer is going to try to get Abraham to sell his soul to the devil. Now, I don't think Abraham will do it, but what if Abraham does? Abraham's been in heaven for more than 3,000 years. He knows all about the devil, God's word, end times, that kind of shit. He knows all about it. He knows the apostles. He knows Jesus. I mean, they've met personally. So Abraham knows all this stuff, but what if Abraham gets tricked or deceived? Okay, the devil's dangerous. So um, I thought, okay, I got a backup plan. So I, I tricked the devil into selling me the devil's soul. Now, that sounds like a sin, but I did it in a really funny way. So it's mostly trolling. But the devil sold me his soul. So, I'm, so one day if I see Abraham, I'd be like, Abraham, dude, don't sell your soul to the devil. But if Abraham ever messes it up, then I'll say, don't worry, Abraham, the devil sold me his soul. So no matter, so everything that's his is mine. And he also said that as part of his agreement. <laughs> so the devil can't steal the promise on Abraham. It's going to be fucking hilarious. So later in the end times, those guys might be like, we're God. And I'll be like, well, I tricked you. <laughs> you can have the promise. You cannot have it. <coughs> you can't. That's what I'm going to tell him. It might be really funny. The whole world might be just laughing at those bozos. What a bunch of fucking bozos, man. <laughs> so I might troll the whole world and be like, watch this. Lucifer, do you want me to give you the, your soul back? And he's like, yeah. He might be begging me. The whole world might be just laughing. What a loser. He's a beggar and a murderer. Uh, but anyways, I don't get into that. It's because Lucifer's really bad. So um, going back to the promised land, he, I don't think he knows where he wants to build it. Because he's like, fuck, if he builds in the promised land, Abraham might give him an eviction notice in about 20 years when Abraham grows up and is 20 years old. Because Abraham's been born again. He's one year old now. Abraham might say, get the fuck out, Lucifer. And then Lucifer might have to leave. And then we burn Babylon to the ground. That'd be the first time we'd burn. Now, the alternatives is to try to do a negotiation with Egypt. If they build it on the um, west side of Cairo, um, then they'd have to negotiate with the Egyptian government. And if you keep going west, there's more and more stuff. Now, when you go far enough west, it's the Sahara, the Sahara Desert. Sahara, Sahara, say it any way you want. Um, there's no rule about it that I know of. And so um, in that big desert, nobody wants that land. It's just a big fucking desert. There's nothing to do with it. Now, Lucifer, I think, wants that land because it's an ideal land port. It's really windy. I'm sorry if it's loud with the wind. But it's an ideal land port for shipping and receiving of goods. And Babylon has no way to make money. So last year, I was like, Lucifer, I was arguing with him. I was like, Lucifer, you don't know how to build Babylon. He's like, yeah, right. And I was like, you don't even have a plan to get money. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, if you don't have a plan to get money, then no one's going to have jobs there. No one's going to move there. And Babylon will have literally no people there. There, not one man living there to be just you, the false prophet and the Antichrist. And it's like, oh, wait, what? I'm like, yeah, Lucifer, if you don't have a way to make money. So then Lucifer, I think, immediately thought about buying uh, low-priced goods from um, sweatshops, coffee mugs, T-shirts, shit like that, and then reselling it at a high price like as a tourist shop. I think what he wants to do is make Babylon a big tourist attraction with hotels. I think he's reluctant to do it because he wants it to be for wealthy businessmen and shit like that, but he doesn't have any way to make money, so he might make it into like hotels, vacation houses, swimming pools, that kind of stuff, you know, pumping water from the ocean or something. So he might build it on the northwest side of um, Africa in the Sahara Desert near a big port because then he'd have a way to buy and sell things and ship things, and then you start 
correct is look at the Bible prophecy. That makes a little more sense. So that might be where he ends up building it. I don't actually know. And so that's super interesting. Now, a couple other interesting things about Babylon is the uh, false prophet and Elijah. Elijah is trying to figure out how to do this, how to make craft prosper in his hand. Believe it or not, that Bible prophecy is really important to him. And he wants to succeed at this. He wants to look impressive. And so when he comes to the earth, he knows the Revelation 13 prophecy, where he rises out of the earth, that the beast comes out of the earth, and uh, or the sea. I forget which one. I think he comes out of the sea. And yeah, I think he's the sea. And so he wants to look impressive when he does it. And then the false prophet coming out of the earth wants to look like really impressive. And then when they're in the earth, they want to talk impressive. And, the, and um, Elijah wants to be impressive when he um, is making craft prosper in his hand. So, like, that's super interesting because you would think with these guys, after planning thousands of years, that's how long they've been planning this, you think that they would already have that part uh, figured out, how they're going to look impressive, how they're going to make craft prosper in their hand, but they're just trying to figure it out. I think part of it is the modern economy. I think with the computers, cell phones, international trade, I think it, for them, adds complication that makes it more difficult. That might be a way to think about it or to say it. And so... With their, um, their big plans, um, I think they're like, okay, do we sell computer components? I mean, do we make microprocessors or computer chips for Intel? I mean, like, I think they're trying to figure out, like, what to do. Do we sell cell phones? Are we like Walmart? Do we sell, like, sell them for a low price? Do we buy them from Asia? Like, I think they're trying to figure out how to make money in Babylon. It might end up being like a corner store. It sounds weird, but it might end up being like a corner store where you just, like, stop and you get a bunch of random stuff that you want. You know, a water bottle and snacks for the kids and a place to stay for the night, a hotel and uh, t-shirts and coffee mugs. I am not kidding you. With, you know, if you go to like a big corner mart, it might have like cell phones and shit like that. So I think that's a big part of their plan to uh, build Babylon um, that they're stuck on to try to figure out how to make money, where it's going to be located, if it's going to be in the promised land, if they can get it close to Israel. Now, Lucifer wants to get the promised land from um, Abraham. And God gave me a vision a long time ago. And uh, it wasn't a single vision. It was actually about... Uh, 330,000 uh, different visions. And I'll explain it one second. Please hold on. I'm put this behind me. Sorry, I had to talk to someone for a second. Um, so, you know, what's really interesting about this is... Um, But at some point, they're going to break ground in Babylon. And I started fucking with the devil. I was like, you know, Lucifer, if, uh, um, if you guys go to Babylon and if you start, um, doing all this Babylon stuff, uh, did you know it's just common sand in, in the desert? He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, it's Saharan sand, man. It's just like common sand. Don't you want people to be on fancy sand? He's like, what do you mean? I was like, why don't you buy sand from like Bora Bora or Tahiti or Cancun or the Maldives, the Maldives or, uh, you know, Cabo or something. He's like, why? I'm like, different sand. People think it's more rich. And he's like, that's the truth. So I'm not kidding. I tricked the devil into thinking it's to buy sand, to build houses on sand in the desert. <laughs> And then if you build a house on sand, it might fucking blow down or wash away or shift or whatever. It's a fucking horrible idea. <laughs> and I was like, hey, Lucifer, Jesus wants you to build your house on a rock. If you build it on sand, what would Jesus think? And Lucifer's like, oh, I've got to insult Jesus. So Lucifer wants to build all the houses in Babylon on sand. It'll make the funnest, funniest Christian parable ever. Just fucking hilarious. They'll be like, well, how do they build houses in Jerusalem? On a rock. How do they build houses in Babylon? On shifting sand. <laughs> Dell tricks Lucifer into buying cheap sand to put it on top of other cheap sand to make people think it's fancy. <laughs> so it'd be fucking hilarious if he does that. So hilarious. I kind of hope he does it. Hilarious. I kind of think it'd be funny if he did that.
Awesome. Sorry, I had to take a drink. One second. Sorry, I'm just so thirsty. So, um, that's another funny thing. He might actually build the houses on sand, which is like an, a funny lesson about life. We don't build our houses on sand where they're unstable and the house doesn't last. When we do that, that house might fall, it might shift, it's shifting sand, then the house is crooked. So it might start fancy, and then by the time it's the end times, and they're doing all the end time stuff during the Great Tribulation, <laughs> a lot of those houses might be crooked. Even though that Babylon might be 20, 30, 50 years old, it might look like it's a, a city that's 500 years old with all the houses falling down crooked, the boards breaking, the nails getting pulled out, all the buildings falling down crooked, wind torn, filled with sand. They might pave the whole area with like new pavement, but then it might be covered with a foot of sand because the sand just blows in. They don't even build a wall because they're just lazy. And so like the whole place might be filled with sand, built on sand, all the buildings falling down. I mean, by the end times, that place, that place might look run down and then it's going to burn. Uh, it's going to burn forever, as it is written in the book of Revelation, uh, in a couple of chapters. So, <coughs> uh, interesting stuff about the, the Babylon. I, I want to do a couple more things, but I think that's probably enough. So, before Babylon gets built, which is really soon, I think they might start building it really soon. I thought I'd take a minute to just do a quick podcast and talk about just how weird it is. You would think by now that Lucifer has a plan for like exactly which buildings, exactly which how big, exactly where on the ground, where will they put the city? If it's a big city, are they going to call it a kingdom? Is, is it going to be more than one city? Are they going to call it a city or a kingdom? Are they going to build the houses and buildings out of wood or metal? Uh, are they going to do trade? How are they going to get money? Are they going to build the promised land? Like Lucifer is still like negotiating for where to build it. He's negotiating with God, interestingly. I think they're timid uh, about speaking in the earth because they have speaking anxiety. They have not yet been given a mouth speaking great things. And so right now they speak very different than they will in the future. And so those are all super interesting things to me. I want to say one more interesting thing about um, Babylon. Um, super interesting to me. A lot of you might ask this kind of a really important question that I think is super intriguing. Why does God allow the devil to live? Like, why does he allow the devil to exist? What is the devil's purpose? That kind of stuff. And um, same thing with the false prophet and the antichrist. And they're going to do some really bad stuff. And so I wanted to give you two things real quick. My opinion about, about it. Um, and so it's not God's opinion. It's just my thoughts from my experience, from my long life. But also, um, sorry, the traffic slide once again. But also, uh, what I think is happening with God and what He'll do in the future. So that'll be two things that are super interesting. I can say fast. The first thing is, I call this the, de the departure. So when somebody comes into the earth, uh, like Jesus Christ, and speaks God's word, this be a prophet or Jesus or anyone else. People get a clear choice. You get to choose what God said or not. Then when Jesus comes, you get to do what Jesus said or not. You can believe it or not. But when someone comes along like the devil, the false prophet, or the antichrist, now you have another option. So it's either God's word or not. And then when the devil comes, then it's God's word or the devil's word or someone else's opinion. Now you have a lot more choices. Now ultimately... You, you, by the end times, if you're there at that time, you might start to feel like it's only two choices, what the devil says or what God says. That's it. No other options. And so when those three come along, it, it becomes really clear. Mm -hmm. 
what kind of choices people make. Some people are going to choose to take the mark of the beast. They're going to think that it, um, I, don't, I don't know how this works for them. I think it's too weird, but they might believe that it's better, it's smarter, it's cool, uh, it's trendy, uh, it's more useful. Um, maybe they hate God. Maybe they like to sin. I, I'm, I don't know. Maybe they like to murder. A lot of people that take the mark of the beast are actually going to murder people in the end times. The laws are going to seem like a lot different. It's going to be a lot of murder. And people that don't take the mark of the beast are going to be a lot more peaceful. And so um, I, I call it the departure. When you have one thing to think about, you know, what the world says or what God says, you got two choices. But then when you got the devil also, it's your choice, it's your neighbor's opinion, it's what the world says, and it's what God says. That's a lot more choices. And so when you got the devil on one side with the false prophet and Elijah, the Antichrist, is named Elijah, and um, he's not the Elijah the prophet. And then on the other side, you got God and Jesus Christ. You got two clear choices, this side or that side, life or death. And when you take the mark of the beast, you choose uh, death. You know, it's a way to think about it. Anyhow, so I call it the departure. Uh, people will go to one side or the other, departing from God or departing from evil. Now, the reason I say the departure is actually a funny position. Most people um, are in the middle position, I think. So they're not decided. They're like, I don't know. I'm not sure. Which makes sense for a lot of us, actually. And so there's not a lot of condemnation if you just haven't figured like figured that out yet. Uh, I don't think. But um, if you're like, I don't know. I'm trying to understand that stuff. It's kind of hard. And I understand that. You know, I think God's really compassionate and kind about that. And Jesus, one day when he's in the earth, might take time to sit down and, and teach you. Jesus likes teaching, uh, I think. So I've known him for a long time. And so um, a lot of us are just kind of in the middle. But then when there's the mark of the beast, the devil, the false prophet, and the antichrist, or God's word and God's law, a lot of people are going to be like, oh, fuck. Uh, some people are not going to want to obey the law. Other people are going to say, oh, fuck, they do not want to take the mark of the beast. And then people have a really clear and well-defined you know, pair of choices. And so they're going to depart from the middle to one side or the other. Where people are right now is kind of a middle position. They're not sure. But they might go to the left or to the right. They might go to the devil or to God. And that's super interesting to me. I call that the departure. Now, from God's perspective, I think he's going to give them each a charge. You might say a commandment, a command, um, a rule, um, or we might say a charge. And he might say, okay, the three of you all want to claim to be God, but you got some problems. You've told a lot of lies, and honestly, you guys aren't really trustworthy, but you can tell the truth. So God might charge them saying, go to the earth where you've been telling lies, just a little, you know, here and there, maybe, but also the temptation kind of counts as lies. When people are tempted, they might start to believe weird things and think weird things. And so I might call it a lie. So God might say, go to the earth and tell them the truth. Tell them what you've done. Tell them how you've lied. Or you're going to burn in hell. And so every day that they're in the earth, God might say, stop sinning, repent of your sin, and tell them the truth. One day, they might tell the truth about one or two things. It might surprise everyone. But it's unlikely. So God might give them the chance, one more chance before they burn, to tell the truth. Now for you guys, you might feel like you're caught in the middle, but you don't need to feel like that. Think of it like this. One day when you hear the devil speak, just remember, oh, he's just a fuck up that keeps telling lies. Just ignore what he says. And then if he tells the truth, hopefully someone you know, sends a message to you. But the devil's a liar, so what we can do is just not listen to his bullshit if you don't want to waste your time. That's one option. Nobody likes it when I say that, though, but the truth is I don't like to listen to him, and I've heard him a lot. So I'm not telling you what to do. It's just more like I've listened to him a lot, and I think listening to him sucks. So I think God's going to give him that charge. I think God's going to say to them, go to the earth, tell the truth about things that you've lied about, Tell them how you do come and go because people think it's a, some sort of weird secret or maybe it's not true. Tell them the truth. Show them how you can do it. Show them how you turn invisible and invisible again. Then tell them how you got that power from God. God will say you got it from me. 
Now tell them why I gave it to you. I gave it to you because you guys have social anxiety and you don't like to be in the earth where people can see you. So when you guys turn invisible, you can go on the earth and observe in people's lives and see that they have normal lives. They're not all sinners. You guys can repent of your sins. You can also learn. I think God made it so they can be invisible because they are, um, they have like social anxiety. I mean, a big part of it, not all of it, but, um, you might say you guys can go read books and no one can see you because you're invisible and then you can then you don't feel like you have social anxiety I, maybe i'm wrong about that but those guys don't want to admit they don't know everything they're really proud and arrogant uh, all three of them seem to be proud and arrogant that's what i think so uh, if they read a book to them it's kind of like admitting they don't know something and so i think they feel proud and then they feel embarrassed also so i think they start uh, telling lies and it's just weird their weird personality so i think god made them invisible for that reason but i don't know i think god's going to tell them to tell the truth about that so Then God's going to say, if you guys want to actually, this is what I think. If you actually want to build a city, build a kingdom, try to be a king, that kind of stuff. It's not a sin to do that. I mean, Babylon or any other kingdom is just one more kingdom. It's just one more city. So if you actually want to go and do that stuff, go and do it in a way that's not a sin. And he's going to say to them, you guys have been in heaven thousands of years. You know how to... You know something about being holy. You know something about being profane. Don't be profane. You know something about tempting the Lord. Don't tempt the Lord. You know something about God's word. Do those things. You know something about building a city, building a kingdom. You've learned that. You're thousands of years old. You've been in heaven. You've seen a lot. Tell people what you've seen. Tell them the truth. So God might tell them to come to the earth. And God might say, if you're going to build a city, make it. A decent city. God might say, make it a good city. He might say, you've learned how to make a good city, a good kingdom. Make a good city. Make a good kingdom. Do things well. Do things right. But don't do what you plan to do. Don't do all that evil stuff. God, I think, is going to give them a charge and tell them, if you do it wrong, you're going to burn real hard. You're going to burn forever and ever. And you guys have been begging. God might say this to them. You guys have been begging, the three of you, the devil, false prophet, and the antichrist. God's going to say it to those three. You've been begging for thousands of years that you don't burn. If you guys go into the earth, if you don't do any sin in Babylon, God might say to them, you might not burn. I might repent of burning you. Now, you're going to do it, but here's your chance. You've been begging for a chance. Here it is. So God might give them a chance. He might give them a charge, and he might give them a chance. The charge is like telling them what to do or something you might think. Like a task or telling them to obey him. You know, that's one way to think about it. And so they might come into the earth and when they come, it might be that they're supposed to obey God and build, uh, if they're going to build Babylon city and kingdom and stuff, they're, maybe they're supposed to do it right, do it well, not sin, repent of their sin. And they might have a charge and they're probably supposed to obey God and tell people the truth about some of the lies that they've told so that's super interesting to think about God giving them one more chance before they burn because the devil in the um, the devil's going to burn in hell uh, and then he's going to get let out but those other two they're going to go to the lake of fire and brimstone and they're probably just going to stay there forever I mean God's kind of weird he might let them out for five minutes give them some fresh air say hey you guys are going to burn forever and ever but I thought I'd give you a chance to get out of the lake of fire and brimstone listen to me for five minutes think about repenting your sins do you repent? Well, they might say no. Then God might burn them again. That might be forever and ever for them. He might create like a time bubble where he removes them from the lake of fire and brimstone and that very same moment they're returned. But it creates like a time bubble where they get like five minutes apiece, you know, like a sci-fi movie. So they truly are in the lake of fire and brimstone forever and ever, but he might like pull them out, put them in an alternate dimension every 
thousand years, give them five minutes for some fresh air, think about their sin, clear their head, and uh, think about what they've done, how they're burning, how they burned for thousands or later millions or later billions of years. And he's like, do you repent? And they might say no. And then he might just keep burning them. I mean, they're dumb fucks. I mean, they do some really dumb stuff. You know, to me, I'm like, it's not worth it. To me, I'm really simple about it. I'm like, it's, what are your options? Stop murdering? Of course I'll stop murdering. Like, personally, me, I've never murdered. Those three murder all the time. They'll, they don't want to stop. They'd rather, so they're going to end up burning forever and ever. All three, forever and ever. That's what the book of Revelation chapter 20 uh, means. There's a verse that says, and the devil that deceived them uh, was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. And so people say like, oh, where's the devil? Uh, and you say, well, he was cast in the lake of fire and brimstone. They're like, oh, is he still there? And you, and you say, yes. Uh, and you say, where the beast and the false prophet are, and the devil shall be tormented day and night. You're like, oh, so that means always and forever he'll be there? Yes, he'll be there always and forever, day and night. And people might say, is he going to be there in the day? Yes. What about the night? Yes. He's going to be there both day and night. Oh, okay. What about the beast and the false prophet? That's where they are. And so that's an everlasting word. They're going to be there forever and ever. Um, so that's the first time you guys probably ever heard that. So I thought I'd take a little bit longer to explain it. I, I, there's a lot of stuff I didn't explain. But basically what I'm saying is I think they're going to be in the lake of fire and brimstone forever and ever. I know that for what from what God said. But also, it's super interesting to think about the fact that God might tell them, go to the earth and tell the truth. If you're going to build a kingdom, build a good one. God might say these things. He might say, you must tell the truth. They might be begging him today for another chance to not burn. And God might say, this is your last chance. You have 70 years or whatever. God might give them. <laughs> and then, <clears throat> one more thing, just a piece of trivia for anyone that gets to the end of the podcast. This is the last thing. No. Um, they might say, God... We think if we um, can pretend to be you and sit on your throne, um, then uh, maybe we'll tell them the truth then because we won't be embarrassed. And God's going to say, you can't pretend to be me, but um, you can, maybe God might allow them to come to Israel or something. And he says, it's a sin if you pretend to be me. And it's a sin if you sit on my throne, you're not allowed to. You might say all that. You might say, you can come to the temple. And then they might come to the temple, sit on the throne when God leaves because God's going to leave during the tribulation. And then they descend immediately. They might claim to be God, claim they defeated God, and a bunch of other shit, and God's just like left temporarily. And so um, that's just a weird thing to think about. If you're interested in that video, I might talk about it later in a future podcast. I've hinted at it or mentioned it in my past podcast, I think. Okay, I thought of a couple more interesting things, and what I'm doing is I'm putting Bible verses in the description of the podcast at the bottom, and it's so fucking interesting, I cannot stop myself. This is too interesting. So I want to go through all these Bible verses real fast. Now, in Revelation 18.21... Uh, and a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and cast it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more at all. Now, that's fucking interesting, man, because that all might happen exactly as it is written. But that's what the angel said. In the Bible, we can read what actually happens. I don't know if God ever throws it down or if anyone throws it down. Like, if you think about this, this is going to be sound, sounding really interesting. Um... Does God ever pick up a city and throw it back on the ground? In order to throw it down, he'd have to pick it up. And there's no indication in the Bible that I know of of God picking up Babylon and throwing it down. Instead, fire from God comes out of heaven, or we might say fire comes from God, and it burns the city. And also, the smoke of her torment goes up forever. And so there might be some confusion among the angels, and I want to get to that in a couple more verses. It'll be super interesting. Now, in the book of Revelation, chapter 18, verse 10, we see another thing that John saw and heard. John heard people standing far away, and they're saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. Now, this sounds weird, 
but the devil, the false prophet, they try to create prophecy, fake fulfillment. And so they might tell people to stand afar off and say that if they ever see this happening. And then they might be like, okay, that's all the judgment. We're not going to get judged by God. That's not true. They're going to get judged by God. And they might say, oh, well, it's just going to judge this. God's just going to judge the city, not us. I mean, they literally are insane men. And so this might all be part of a script that they create in the end times to try to make it appear as if all the prophecies are fulfilled when they aren't in part. So people respect them and don't know that that their team's going to lose, but also because those, those three are um, delusional. And if people say this weird shit, it might happen, but it gets even weirder. Revelation 18 verse two. And he cried, this is an angel mightily with a strong voice saying Babylon, the great is fallen. Babylon, the great. It's a fucking loser city. They don't know where to build it. They don't know how to build it. It might be like a fucking corner shop, not a great kingdom. Okay. So this angel saying this weird thing. Why would this angel say this weird line? Babylon, the great has fallen, is fallen and has become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. What in the fuck does that mean? Now, the truth is the false prophet's really weird. He's a bit of a collector. He collects weird shit. He wants to kill you. If you die and go to heaven, you're a ghost. He wants to kill you as a ghost and take your soul. He wants to collect it. He wants to collect filthy animals. He might collect rats. He might collect poop. He might collect toilets. I'm not kidding. He collects this shit, I think. Or he like he might do this in the future. He might collect flashlights. I'm not kidding because it's dim light and it's inferior to Christ's light. And he wants you to choose an inferior light. I'm not kidding. He's fucking weird. And then he might one day say that like turkey vultures are hateful birds or he might say this is going to sound weird that ducks because they eat spiders he's like it's a hateful bird no it isn't it eats spiders or chickens because they eat scorpions and ants he might be like that's a hateful bird no it isn't it's just eating bugs it's not that bad the bugs don't really feel pain i don't think at all when they do that when they get eaten i think it's like oh i died and the bugs live a short life they get to be born again in this bug and so it's not a big deal but he might tell them it's hateful birds and unclean spirits and we'll keep them in cages i mean the false prophet is fucking weird dude he might decide to collect birds and even if it never happens he might tell them to say it anyways now the other thing is immediately when Babylon's going to fall, they're announcing it early. It is fallen. What? So what John says is that an angel says this. John didn't see it yet. In the book of Revelation chapter 18, if we go down this a little bit, it says what the angel says, and this will all make sense in a second. And then there's another voice from heaven. making big announcements it's fucking weird why are all these announcements happening and then i've known god for six thousand years he never makes a bunch of announcements it's fucking weird dude and so then it talks about what happens and then we get a little more about babylon if you're interested talk about merchants that buying and selling stuff remember i think that lucifer might want to have a merchant city near a port area and so he might choose northwest africa because close to the ocean it's cheap land and they might just build it on the sand because he thinks it's weird. He might think it's a Finch Jesus or something. And so, um, and again, an angel saying, that great city, alas, alas, was closed in fine land. I mean, these angels are fucking weird, dude. Why are they talking about how Babylon's great? Babylon's horrible. Now, that's the truth. Babylon's horrible. And so now, now we see the smoke of Babylon burning. Lucifer, the false prophet, them, they might actually burn Babylon and then pretend that God did it. But eventually, God's going to do it, and the smoke of Babylon will go up forever. And so, they're announcing it before it happens. I mean, the false prophet is fucking weird. He might tell them to do this stuff, but there's more. So, why would this happen? Well, in heaven, what happened is something strange. God said, 
like a bunch of Bible verses. He's been talking thousands of years and everyone listens. And then one day, about 42 years ago, God started talking about the end times, the Messiah, salvation and all this stuff. And they were like, what in the fuck? And God's like, yep, now it's the time. They're like, God damn it. You know, they're the, the devil. And, you know, these other guys are going to burn. They want more time. Because as soon as the time's up, they burn. That's it. When the clock runs out, those three burn. That's it for them. So they want more time. God's like, okay, the end times are coming. Now, for you guys in the earth, it's a bit like what it was for them. If you hear my podcast, you're like, oh, is the end times coming? You don't know. You don't see it. For them, 42 years ago, they were like, oh, is it coming? They didn't see it. But now, up in heaven and the heavens where the angels are, they're starting to see it. In the earth, pretty soon people will start to see it. And so that's kind of how it is for them. They're seeing it now. And so um, what happened is the false prophet, he tried to get all weird and so did the devil. They were like, okay, if, if the Messiah is going to be here, what does the Messiah get? And God's like, all kinds of stuff. And they're like, can we have it? And God's like, you're not the Messiah. And they're like, well, what if we are the Messiah? And God's like, what are you talking about? And they're like, it's not exactly how God talks, but paraphrasing. And they're like, okay, if we, be, if we become the Messiah, do we get salvation? God's like, the Messiah gets salvation, obviously. <laughs> and so they're like, okay, we want to be the Messiah. And they're, you know, maybe God was like, okay, guess try. <laughs> Uh, they've been trying for 42 years. They're not doing that well. <laughs> the devil's not that great at being the Messiah. That's fucking hilarious to think about. So, um, <coughs> so the false prophet's getting into this idea of contest. So the false prophet's like, okay, if we fail at being the Messiah, he's telling the devil this, let's try to be a prophet. Prophets get salvation. And he's like, okay, if we fail at being prophets, let's try to be apostles. That might be harder. I mean, being a prophet's fucking hard, dude. And you gotta be called and you gotta be chosen by God. I mean, it's fucking impossible to make yourself a prophet. Only God can make you a prophet. And so I think they're doing all these weird fucking contests. And so in the future, angels might still believe that deception or that lie. They might tell angels, okay, in order to do this contest, don't wait until God gives you permission. Just make the announcement and see if you're the best announcing angel. And they're like, why? Well, maybe if you're an announcing angel, maybe you'll uh, get salvation. So like, the angel's like, wait, what? Jesus Christ gives us salvation. The false prophet's like, no, 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 no. It's not Jesus Christ, it's uh, other stuff. So what you gotta do is do the announcement. The angel's like, I don't know any announcements. Uh, for the end times, except what's written in the Bible. And the false prophet's like, just say what I tell you. And so and the false prophet might tell all the angels to say what he says, what the false prophet tells them to say, what the false prophet chooses. And so the angels might start just saying weird shit. Oh, Babylon, that great city. There's nothing great about it. It's a fucking horrible city. So it's actually a really funny thought to think about this happening in the end times because a lot of um, the um, angels before the end times, they hear the devil. Now, he's an angel or a fallen angel. So they've been hearing him thousands of years. They've been hearing him thousands of years. And so because they've been hearing him thousands of years, they've heard a lot of his lies. I mean, he can tell a lot of lies in five minutes and certainly in a year. And in the end times, he might tell lies for like 75, 80 years approximately. But that's in the earth. It could be less than that. But... Um, because the end times isn't just three and a half years. Think about it. There's the tribulation and shit. Or, you're, or even if you think seven years. But there's all the time before that where they got to build Babylon. They got they start telling lies to the world. And there's a whole bunch of other stuff they're going to do. So the, the devil can tell a lot of lies in 75, 80 years. But in thousands of years, he can tell a tremendous amount. So the angels might still just be fucking confused, man. Especially when they're hearing the devil, the false prophet, and the antichrist in heaven thousands of years. So the false prophet is doing this idea of contest. He's telling a bunch of ghosts in heaven because God allows that now. And he's telling the false prophets, telling a bunch of angels, okay, uh, there's a bunch of contests. There's like a Messiah contest and there's um, 
also a uh, who can be better than Jesus contest? That's not true. These things are all not true. And he's like, okay, uh, who can make a better kingdom than God? That's a contest. Uh, we want to do it better than Israel. Um, and also, who can be better than King David? Because he'll be in the end times. They know he'll be in the end times because God told him, you know, or they heard from me. But in either case, they know it. And so they're like, okay, try to be better than King David. Also, um, if you figure it out, tell us so we can try to. So they're trying to get help. And then he's like, okay, uh, and also try to be a prophet and an angel announcer <laughs> and uh, an apostle. And they so like, the, and all these ghosts and angels are like, is that true? And I'm like, no, it isn't. They're like, oh, but we want it to be. I'm like, no, that's not how you become an apostle or a prophet. You're chosen by God. And if you want to do it, I mean, I can teach you how. And they're like, we don't want to learn that today. Make it easy for us. I'm like, God damn it. So that's what the false prophet's doing. Now, it's a funny thing because I thought about this a lot. Now, being Messiah and that kind of stuff to me is not that pleasant sounding, but a lot of people are really interested in it. So I'm actually writing on my website articles that I'll have done in the next couple of months or years, uh, hopefully in the next three months, about how to be worthy to be called the Messiah. Now, I'm going to do this really quick for you as an overview. I'm not teaching it all in 10 seconds, but in order to be worthy to be called Messiah, you need to know God's word perfectly, every word that can be known. And then if you do this, if you read every word of the Holy Bible, then I'll tell you where you can find another... Um, um, 83% more words. Uh, so it's like reading, you know, seven or eight or nine more Bibles or whatever the math is. And then, um, also you need to know what righteousness is a uh, clear and well-defined definition is helpful, but also God's words regarding righteousness. You need to know what the difference is between the profane and the holy, and you need perfect knowledge of knowing what holy is. And you can learn that from angels, from the almighty God, or from Jesus Christ. You can learn a lot from his word, but it is God who sanctifies you. So when you do according to his word, God will make you holy. But if you're the Messiah, you know how to be holy. And so, um, when you, when you learn God's word, you know how to keep the Sabbath, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. And so you start to learn all of those details, how to do what God said, how to be good, how to speak good words, how to do good, how to have good in you, how to have light in you, life in you, how to speak righteous words and do righteous deeds. And so all of these things are things that take time to learn. Now, I learned these things over 6,000 years. Jesus Christ maybe knew them the first day he lived or something. I don't know. Um, the Holy Ghost uh, doesn't really talk to me that much lately. Uh, he's kind of being a dick to me actually. Uh, I'll sort it out later. Um, and I'll talk to you guys about it when he starts being a normal person again, but he's not talking to me right now. He, he did some fuck ups. He sinned actually, believe it or not. Um, but remember he's not the almighty God. God will never sin. Uh, and the Holy ghost has sinned. So the Holy ghost can repent and stuff like that. I'll maybe tell you about that later because, uh, this is, we're getting into the end times, man. The devil's a fucking dangerous enemy. Don't do what the devil says. So, um, what I was going to say though, is in order to be worthy to be called Messiah, you got to know about light, life, righteousness, virtues, um, justice, judgment, the word of God, the will of God, and a bunch of other stuff, man. And then when you know those things really well and then do them, then, um, you might be worthy to be called Messiah. Now I'm gonna tell you right now, if you learn any of those things I just told you, a lot of that is a huge accomplishment. I mean, seriously, to learn how to do good, be good and have good in you and to speak good words. I mean, that's a fucking huge accomplishment. If you do those four things, that's fucking awesome, dude. So I'm going to have a whole university course that tells you how to do these things. Now, in some cases I'll give you examples. Other times I'll tell you stories where you can read about it and know more about how to do it. I'll, I'll do it in different ways. Sometimes I might 
write the word of God out, exactly what God said about sanctimony, sanctification, uh, due reverence in the presence of God, what it means that we live by faith, to know that he is God, faith, hope, trust, love, um, all kinds of stuff, duty, service, if you want. That might be for servants of God or anyone who wants to be a king or a prince in the kingdom of God or a lord or someone in the court. Now, this is not like British royalty. It's more like... Um, someone who answers questions before someone gets to the king. So imagine you're a king in a huge kingdom that has a 500 million people or a billion people. Imagine this. And so if you are in a big kingdom and there's a lot of people in that kingdom, imagine that um, in this kingdom, uh, people come to the king every day. So imagine you're the king. You might say, I'm really busy because every day, like 3,000 people come to talk to me. So what that tells you as king is that there's a couple things in your kingdom that can be like buttoned up a little bit. And if you tidy up the kingdom a little, then maybe um, people will stop coming because they have, well, they're coming because they have problems. So then you talk to the court and the royal court, and let's say you have a thousand people in the court or a hundred or something, I don't know, 50, pick a number. And then they go and talk to messengers and the messengers send out messages and people come talk to you. And then you give them money and then you fix all your problems in your kingdom. And so that's something a king can do. Now the next thing is, let's say the king has still a thousand people coming. It's not problems, but they still come every day. And so um, when that happens, then, um, then you can say, I need some help. So you get some men that are your, that are princes. They don't have to be your children. It's someone who knows how to do what a prince does. A prince can try to be like the king. And so you talk to them and then when people come to talk to you, then there's like three or four princes in there and then they talk to the princes and the prince can answer their questions. Then now you have, instead of just you, four more people. So it's like way better workload. But then you're like, it's still kind of overwhelming. So then you hire 20 more people to be in the royal court and they learn how to do what you do. They learn about the kingdom. They learn who the messengers are. They know who to ask if there's a problem. And so if somebody comes in, it's like, I got a land dispute. Somebody uh, built a fence on my land and it needs to be moved. I need to talk to the king. Somebody in the royal court might say, no, you don't need to talk to the king. You don't need to go to the government either. Let's just go talk to these guys outside. And they they do all the land survey stuff or, or they know the guys that do it. And you just go out there, you talk to them and they go resolve the dispute. You don't have to get everyone involved. It's just resolved in one day. And that guy moves his fence. They check it and they're like, yeah, you need to move your fence. And then it's like a message from the king kind of. So the guy obeys. And then, like, he puts his fence where it belongs. It's, like, it's better for the other dude. So that's kind of like the royal court. It just makes people's lives better. It makes In the kingdom, we want things to be great. So we, we do that. Now, then if you do this as a king, you're not overwhelmed with questions. And then you can do big projects. You can say, like, the roads are getting beaten down. Go fix those. Or houses have holes in them. Or something else. I don't know. And you go fix problems. And then, or you make things better. If everything's great, like, the roads are great. The houses are great. People are all wealthy. There's no poor people. Then start to make it, still make it better. Keep making it better, and when things are good, never change it. When things are bad, fix it. And if things are good, try to make something else great, you know? So you just keep making it great for people. And so then if you have a lot of help, princes, the royal court, that's more of a king structure and like a kingdom rather than just government. Then if you have a king and government, you just get everyone, the king might say, this is what we're doing, government, do you guys want to help? And then you finish your projects, but you don't tax the people. In God's kingdom, you don't tax people. So that's just some random trivia. I'm kind of getting on a tangent. But the point is, the false prophet wants to do all these contests. And I, so I talked to him, I'm like, look, just shut the fuck up, false prophet. You don't know anything about being Messiah, apostle, prince, royal court, king, God, lord, master. Um, you don't know any of that. So stop telling everyone there's these contests because you're not worthy. But see, the false prophet, you guys don't know this about him. He's like the devil. He's condemned. He's damned. And so he is um, panicking. He's like, fuck. 
I'm like, yeah, you're in big trouble. You're going to burn, motherfucker. Stop being so wicked. And so he panics. And so he's like, okay, maybe he's trying to fake his way into heaven. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to pretend that he's, you know, Jesus Christ. And I'm like, you can't trick God. He knows who Jesus Christ is, you dumb fuck. <laughs> and then I'm like, he pretends to be a prophet. He's like, God, can I pretend I'm the prophet Enoch? I'm like, you know what, false prophet? Shut the fuck up. You're not the prophet Enoch. He's like, well, what if I pretend? I'm like, you're not going to trick God. So he goes around being a fraud like Lucifer and Lucifer's more, I call Lucifer a poser. I call the false prophet a fraud uh, sometimes. And so they go around, they're trying to trick their way into heaven. I'm like, you can't trick your way into heaven. Just stop being wicked. Stop murdering. And so um, when they come to the earth, it's going to be super interesting because um, a bunch of the angels have heard them lying thousands of years. And the angels might still be trying to do these weird contests, even in the end times, in the very end. And the very end, angels might be like, Babylon the Great has fallen. And like they throw a rock down. I'm like, come on. So I don't know if God's going to make a big prophecy about that, but it might just be some fucking J.K. Horseshit. Because all the Bible says is that John saw it and heard it. He saw an angel, you know, making a big announcement. And he heard what the angel said. But uh, there's nothing written about that Babylon being cast down that I know of anywhere in the Bible. Thrown down. So, um... There's a bunch of fake contests in, in heaven. Now, I've got to do one more thing if I'm going to be comprehensive in this podcast. In Revelation chapter 17, verse 5, it reads, And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abomination of the earth. One day I might do these Bible verses one at a time as a podcast, but um, today I'm just having fun. Uh, I'm, I'm walking down the road right now. I'm not, I'm not by the road, but I'm walking down it now. And so um, i got nothing to do while I'm walking. And so I'm doing the podcast. And so um, this is super interesting because it says, Mystery Babylon the Great. The mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. Now, this is really interesting. It's really similar to the Revelation 12 prophecy, where there's a, a, a sign and a wonder in heaven, you might say. And so um, what happens is John's in heaven, and an angel spoke wisely. The angel said... Come hither, I will shew unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. And so what ends up happening in the end times, I think, is something strange that's so interesting. A lot of you, when you read the Bible, it says, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Now in the future, God's going to give you land. And when he does it, It'll be like in the kingdom of heaven kind of a situation, I think. It could be in the new earth or on other worlds. God might be like, here's land. I mean, he might just give it to you, literally. Like, the, you might see the almighty God, just like angels do. He might look you right in the eyes and say, I'm giving you land. You get, you know, one and a half acres. I mean, he might just fucking number it out for you. And he'll be like, he might even send angels or someone to stake it out. And you might be like, what? And there's like a holy angel, like, ah, like descending to the earth with a hammer or something and hammering a, a wooden stake into the ground. He's not killing a vampire. That's how surveyors do it, in case you're interested. It's not symbolic at all just like how you mark a corner and on uh, on a survey look at survey marks on online or how they mark like construction for roads they just use a piece of wood but like i was thinking it'd be funny to see an angel with like construction tools <laughs> like holy angel like doing construction would be fucking hilarious but literally i know a lot of angels so they might think it's hilarious too <coughs> but um this angel spoke wisely and so when we think about this what is babylon why is it called the great whore and mother um, why is it called mother? Well, there's a mystery that um, was never revealed from the beginning. A lot of people were like, okay, honor our heavenly father. We know that verse applies to our heavenly father. And you get to heaven, you're like, do I have a heavenly mother? And God's like, gives you some sort of weird, unclear answer, which is like a, yet, a no answer. But then if you think the word no, you're like, did he definitely say no? Like, is it no today or no forever? 
And so it's a super confusing thing. Now, God's been speaking recently in heaven about the mother, like of all living kind of a way of saying it. Like, uh, like people will, will one day have a heavenly mother. Like God will give life to a woman. It kind of like how he gave life to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is his son. We are all God's children. He gave us life. You know, maybe one day he'll give life to a woman that will be called our mother. And so for a lot of you that are believers, you're like, that sounds like blasphemy. That sounds like it's not true. You shouldn't say that as a sin. Well, when you get to heaven, God's going to like straighten you out on that stuff. And pretty soon Jesus Christ is going to talk about it on the earth. And you're like, well, that's kind of fucking awkward. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's going to be kind of fucking awkward. I mean, really, it's going to be awkward. I mean, it's going to be a really funny thing. So um, now that's not what I'm talking about. What I am talking about is that the false prophet hates his mother. He knows exactly who his mother is. He hates his mother. He hates his heavenly father. That's God. He also hates his mother. He knows exactly who his mother is. And so him and the devil, they want to be, they want to claim to be higher than God, but they also hate women. So what they want to do is they want to get a city and call the city a mother. Believe it or not, they're trying to replace God by calling each other father. And they're trying to replace their mother by building a city and calling the city mother. I know that sounds fucking weird, dude, but that's because those three are weird as fuck. And so what it says here is that um, kings of the earth, the angel says, committed fornication with Babylon. So how do, how do men commit fornication with the city? The false prophet, the devil, and the antichrist, they plan things like that. They don't know where to build a city. They don't know how to build it on a rock. They don't know how to do economic planning, apparently. At least not successful planning. Uh, apparently they're going to buy and sell, I guess and act like they have a successful city. I don't know if they'll ever have one, but they do plan things like this, how men commit, can commit fornication with the city because they want that city to be unclean, unholy, sinful. They want it to have adultery. And so they're going to think, how can men commit adultery with a city that they call a woman? I mean, those three are fucking weird, dude. And so right now you're like, that's too weird to think about. I agree. But in the end times, they're going to talk about it. Those three are going to talk about it. They're going to try to get men to do it as much as possible, probably, because they want that city to be filled with blasphemy and sin and filth. And so they might try to make this woman look like she's royal. A lot of people believe that purple is a royal color of kings or something like that. Like a royal color, so purple. And so they might have like gold and other stuff to make it look impressive. So this is more like a vision, I think, a symbolic representation. But what you, what's weird is the false prophet fucking loves witchcraft and false signs. I mean, he fucking loves that stuff, man. He likes, he wants like a flashlight and he wants to show people it's inferior to the light of Jesus. So he wants them to like follow him with a flashlight. I'm not kidding. And so he's going to want like false signs, like in the heavens and the sky. And God might give him all these fucking weird signs, like a fucking whore woman drinking wine and, you know, wearing purple. I'm not kidding. This might be the fucking weirdest trip of people's lives, like a fucking rodeo, dude. And so, um, mystery Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots, abomination of the earth in all caps. Well, he's a false prophet. He wants attention. So maybe he wants it written in all caps or something. I don't know. It's fucking weird. And so I want to take just a couple minutes to talk about some of this weird shit, because when we get to the end times, what is revealed is that the devil is weird as fuck. I mean, he is fucking weird, dude. The devil is so fucking weird, you won't believe it. And so is the false prophet. And so the devil's going to be like, take the mark of the beast. It's a buy and sell membership like Costco. And I'm like, what? It's not like Costco. You're wrong. And then the false prophet's going to be like, oh, have sex with a city. And the man's going to be like, that's not physically possible. <laughs> that's a big wooden building. And I, 
I got a dick in my pants. I'm not going right at the door or whatever you're thinking. What are you going to do? Close the door on my dick? I mean, the false prophet's weird as fuck, dude. And Lucifer's weird, too. Buy and sell membership. Have sex with the city. And Elijah, he's fucking weird, too, dude. He is also weird looking. I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> All three of them move weird, too. If you ever see a move, you're going to be like, how in the fuck they get around? They move so fucking weird. Um, so those are my weird thoughts now. So later people might say, okay, uh, why are they doing this? Why is the devil, the false prophet, and the antichrist doing this? And other people might say, okay, um, here's the thing. They hate their mother, and so they they rejected her. Okay, but then they decided they want a mother, so they wanted a city mother. <laughs> I mean, they're fucking weird, dude. So um, right now, this might not be important to anyone on the podcast, but later, about the time of the end times, after the Antichrist is on the throne of God in the temple of God in Israel on the Temple Mount, this might be really fucking important. See, what? once those three are in Babylon, there's going to be the blood of the saints and all that other dumb shit. I mean, a lot of murder and blood. But then once they go to um, the temple, they want to stay there. They're going to park their asses right there in the fucking temple, and they're going to pretend that they chased God off with power or whatever. And so... They might decide to burn Babylon if they can to do an early fake fulfillment of the prophecy. It's a big thing that they're going to do in the end times. They're going to try to fulfill a lot of prophecies early or make it look that way to trick people into thinking that it's already done. That's going to happen because they want you to think the day of the Lord won't come. And they seem to think that's when Babylon will fall. So they might try to make people think that Babylon already fell. And so for them, they might be like, Babylon's falling out. Here's another thing about them. See, every word they say is so fucking weird that I don't think they ever figured out how to build cities or kingdoms or how to do economics or loans or financing. But they, they did a bunch of weird stuff. They want a city to be their mother. Now, Lucifer is a fallen angel. And so he doesn't want to be known as a fallen angel, maybe. Maybe in the future, that's a bad reputation. Once people figure out what it is, like, yeah, it was for you just a fallen angel, man. Just calm the fuck down. <laughs> I mean, honestly, people might say that. And he might just get a fucking reality check. I got slapped. <laughs> And then um, Lucifer uh, might say, okay, here's the thing. Uh, I don't want to be called a fallen angel because I'm embarrassed. And they called us a bunch of bozos. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to tell them that Babylon has fallen. And maybe God will think Babylon has fallen and not me. <laughs> so then the, he might tell the false prophet. And the false prophet might tell angels... And then angels might just stand around in heaven and say, Babylon has fallen, where, where God can hear. <laughs> to see if God believes it. Now, the next part's not as funny, I'm sorry, but um, in, in Babylon, the, the false prophet likes putting people in cages and murdering them, like uh, human trafficking. So uh, he might get in big trouble, so he might tell the angels, um... Lucifer, what I do? And Lucifer's going to say, tell the angels. And the false prophet's going to tell the angels maybe something like, uh, tell God it was uh, bird cages, not people cages. And so that's where we get this Bible verse, I think, where an angel in Revelation 18 says, Babylon is fallen. And so, you know, the devil wants God to hear that. And has become the habitation of, and blah, blah, blah. And the hold of every foul spirit, and blah, blah, blah. And a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. So... You know it's the devil, I think, because the devil says it twice sometimes. So this angel's like, Babylon the Great is fallen, fallen. I mean, Lucifer might tell this angel even to wink at God. Like, hey, did you get it? 
Babylon's fallen, not Lucifer. I mean, the whole thing's just a fucking weird joke. But then you get to this fucking serious shit, man. They might actually put people in cages. So the false prophet might be afraid of God because of that. And so he might say, oh, it wasn't people, it was birds. Uh, God, do you believe it? <laughs> yeah, he's not going to trick God. I mean, it's fucking awful. The false prophet's horrible. Now we're moving on to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 13. The church that is at Babylon, elected together with you, saluteth you. And so doth Marcus, my son. So this is a super interesting verse because... I don't know much about Babylon during the time of the apostles, but my understanding is that it pretty much didn't exist. It was actually Persia um, at that time. And secondly, that's what I thought. I mean, honestly, um, though, I think it's a prophecy of the future. In the future, um, Babylon will be back. And so the, um, the devil, the false prophet, the Antichrist might be given a charge from God to make it a good city. So they might actually try to put a church there. They might hope, they might say, oh, if we put a church here, um, do we get salvation? And they, may, they might try it just to see if they can get salvation because they're really afraid of God. They're really afraid of God and they really don't want to burn. They try to act like they're not afraid of God, but they're fucking terrified of God, man. I mean, he talks to them day and night. He's like, repent, 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 repent. Speaking perfect words. He's like, thus saith the Lord, repent. Thus saith the Lord God, repent. I mean, he just tells them all day long, repent. Thus saith the Holy One of Israel, repent. I mean, they know exactly what his name is. They know he's God and they're terrified. And so um, in the future, this might happen again. What's written in 1 Peter 5. Verse 13, the church that is at Babylon. So there might be a church at Babylon in the future. And that's super interesting because um, there might be a time when believers go to Babylon. Now, another piece of trivia I didn't tell you in this podcast, but I've said before, is that the saints, all of the saints who have been beheaded for the witness of Jesus since the last 2,000 years, I mean, they've died and gone to heaven, all of them. And there are some that are saints. And so... They've died and gone to heaven, but a whole bunch of them have sympathy for the devil. I literally talked to them yesterday and this morning, and a whole bunch of them were like, well, I talked about them yesterday, I talked to them this morning, but I've talked to them a bunch of times, and I'm like, why do you want to go to Babylon? They're like, well, we think if we go there and preach to the devil, maybe he'll repent and he won't burn. I'm like, why do you have sympathy for the devil? Just preach to him. I mean, isn't he in heaven talking to you right now? They're like, yeah. I'm like, well, do it now. They're like, no, he told us we have to come to Babylon. I'm like, that's because he wants to slay you guys. Ask um, anyone who knows the book of Daniel chapter 7. You guys are going to get cut in pieces man and they're like um okay here's the thing um we don't believe you i'm like you better fucking believe me man god told you who i am motherfuckers and they're like okay here's the thing uh god did say that but um we decided we want to have something for the devil i'm like that's a fucking horrible idea so they're gonna go to babylon and then one day even the apostles might go there now the apostles would go for different reasons you know god told them or jesus told them that's different but the saints actually intend to disobey jesus but today i was like look you guys need to figure this out because Jesus will never tell you to go there and have sympathy for the devil. Jesus knows the devil is fucking horrible, dude. And so there's a church in Babylon might be there again in the future. Now, in the New Testament, there's a bunch of mentions of Babylon. Depending on how you count, we're, we're at 11, 11 mentions. But in the Old Testament, there are a shitload of mentions. Now, for, for end times prophecy, we get only a few verses. Zechariah has two verses. Now, what he says here is that, um, he says, deliver thyself, O Zion, that dwelleth with the daughter of Babylon. Now, remember, they want Babylon to be their mother. They want to make another city that's a, their, the, the daughter of Babylon. And so they want to mix all these cities together and be like, oh, this is your mother and we are your father uh, or something. And uh, that city is your uh, mother's daughter. I mean, they're fucking weird, dude. And so Zion might get all fucking confused by this. Believe it or not, as stupid as this sounds, people believe this shit. And so Zion is basically Jerusalem when King David is there, kind of, I think. I mean, there's more to it than that. 
So there's a prophecy. Zion, stop doing business or whatever. The, like, I don't call it business, but stop doing things with Babylon city shit. That's fucking weird, dude. Now, the other uh, mention in Zechariah is something that's hard to summarize. So I'm not going to do it. I'm going to skip it. I'm going to Micah now. And he says, um, be in pain and labor to bring forth, O daughter of Zion. Now, now you got something interesting. Why is Zion having a daughter city? Probably because they're imitating the false prophet, Elijah, and that's the Antichrist, and the devil. So Israel is going to be fucking confused in the end times. So confused, they're going to imitate Babylon rather than the Bible. So he tells them what's going to happen. You're going to leave the city and you're going to go even to Babylon. And he says that God's going to redeem you from the hand of your enemies. So it's like they sell themselves and God buys them back or something. So in Micah, we get something really clear. Even in Zion, they're going to be so fucking confused they're going to start making like daughter cities and other weird shit, imitating what the devil, the false prophet and the antichrist do. But also they might even go sell themselves. Now in the book of Daniel, what we get is something interesting too. I think what the book of Daniel shows is that Nebuchadnezzar did bad but not nearly as bad as those three, the devil, the false prophet, and the antichrist. The devil, the false prophet, and the antichrist, they're going to claim to be God, and they're not going to repent. But Nebuchadnezzar did, okay? Nebuchadnezzar saw what God could do and repented. Those three, the false prophet, the devil, and the antichrist, are not going to repent. Also, Nebuchadnezzar listened to Daniel, a prophet. Those three never listened to the prophets. One of them is a false prophet. Actually, all three of them, kind of. Uh, two of them, for sure. That's Elijah. He's the Antichrist. And the false prophet. He's a false prophet. I mean, he's the false prophet. So, these other mentions, I'm not going to say much about it. I saw it with the book of Daniel, I'd say. In um, the book of Daniel, we can see Nebuchadnezzar did a sin. He claimed to be God. He might have had other sins, too. But he still did better. I think far better than the devil. So, in the future, people might say, well, in Babylon... Uh, Nebuchadnezzar uh, claimed to be God and he went to heaven. Okay, he repented though. Nebuchadnezzar repented. The devil's never going to repent and people are going to be confused about this. It's really clear when I say it. <clears throat> now, in the book of Isaiah chapter 14, we find out there's going to be a king of Babylon in the end times, it looks like. And so this gets kind of confusing. This is a really complicated verse, but um, I think the devil is going to want to be called the king of Babylon, but he's probably going to choose someone else to be king of Babylon, and the devil will probably kill that man. The devil murders everyone. So it's really likely that in this prophecy, that king will die because Lucifer will kill him, and then someone will take up this proverb against the dead man. The king of Babylon will be laying dead on the floor and some guy will walk up and speak this proverb against that dead man and say, how has the oppressor ceased, the golden city ceased? I mean, this whole story with the devil is so fucking weird and there's so much murder that when the end times start, people are not going to believe it. There's just going to be dead bodies everywhere. It's like that Rancid song. It's a uh, Rancid song. It's a punk rock band called Dead Bodies. It's like dead bodies everywhere, dead bodies everywhere. I mean, it's just that's the end times. It's just dead bodies, dead bodies, dead bodies. It's fucking ridiculous how much murder there's going to be.
Now, in the book of Isaiah, these are all prophecies that have been fulfilled, all of them. Uh, I think every single one, except depending on how you read. And when we understand the reading, then we can have a clear understanding about some of these verses. So when we go to the book of Isaiah, chapter um, 2, verse 4. We're talking about a new heaven, a new earth. And verse 5, same thing. O house of Jacob, come ye and let us walk in the light of the Lord. So I think this has a triple fulfillment. It was fulfilled in the past, and then they went into captivity or whatever. And then, that's what I think happened. And then um, it'll be fulfilled in the future, before the end times, again in the millennial reign of Christ. And then a fourth time, uh, when God makes a new heaven and a new earth. When God makes a new earth, they'll go to New Jerusalem, where there'll be the glory of God, and that's the light of New Jerusalem, and the light of the Lamb. And they'll say, O house of Jacob, come ye and let us walk in the light of the Lord. That's cool. And we also have the everlasting peace kind of sounding verses, what people might call it. That's not what I call it. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. That's fucking cool, you know, sounding. It sounds like a kingdom of everlasting peace. And then we get to go back to verse 3. And many people shall go and say a bunch of stuff. Let us go to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways. And we shall walk in his paths. So it sounds to me like God speaks, or Jesus Christ, or both. And to me, it sounds like both. Because um, what the way it's written. So in the future, when Ezekiel's temple is built, Jesus will be there. So Christians will be like, is that temple for the Antichrist? No, Jesus Christ is there, you dumb fucks. And when you see Jesus, you always know it's him every time. So they'll know it's Jesus. And so I think a lot of the Christians will be like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Uh, Jesus said it's fine. Uh, he explained it. And so then they'll believe it, you know. They won't be confused. And so... We might say, was that fulfilled before? Well, let's read, let's read right here. It shall come to pass in the last days. Now, what's the last days? The last days before the end times. All right, well, what happens? The mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow unto it. Now, that's never happened. There's never been a time in history when... Um, all nations in the world went to the temple of God in Israel. That never happened ever, at least not like this. Here he says they flow onto it, like just fl people flowing, like a fucking river of people. That's a lot of people. Now in the past, it might have been one or two coming on boats from here and there. Probably not every nation, just to be honest. And um, also, he, he didn't say like one or two people from each nation. He said they shall flow unto it, like a fucking river, man. So this is something that I think was never really fulfilled and so this will happen in the last days because god said and it shall come to pass in the last days that's isaiah chapter 2 verse 2 isaiah 2 2 and so when we think about this we can go through the babylon passages here and um god hits lucifer hard right in the dome in isaiah 13 he says the burden of babylon lucifer's like no it's the glory of babylon no that's not what god said god said it's the burden of babylon and then Lucifer's like, it's the glory of kingdoms. Okay, well, here's the burden of Babylon. God hits him right in the fucking side of the head with the first Babylon verse in all of the book of Isaiah. And so then God says what he'll do. God will rise up against them, saith the Lord of hosts, and cut off from Babylon the name and remnant and son and nephew. So God's going to fucking hit them upside the fucking head. 
sounds like. That's the way I think about it, just to be funny, but not not an interpretation, but it's close, I think. So um, when we get into uh, the, the captivity passage, Isaiah 39, um, verse 6, God lists a bunch of stuff that will be carried away, uh, carried to Babylon. This might happen again in Israel in like parts of cities because they're making like daughter cities and uh, worshiping false gods and going to saints are going to Babylon and they're trying to imitate Lucifer. I mean, it's fucking weird in the end times, man. So some of them might actually have to go into captivity again. And so I think Isaiah 39 uh, verse six is a partial fulfillment prophecy that will be fulfilled um, in certain parts of cities. And then God says, what will happen to the people? Some of the men are going to get their dicks cut off. And they'll be eunuchs. Some of the men will get their dicks cut off. I mean, that's fucking horrible, but that's what's going to happen. It's in the book of Isaiah, the next verse, chapter 39, verse 7. And I just say the numbers. If you don't memorize it, it's probably okay. Um, it's hard to memorize it when you hear podcasts, but in case somebody wants to read it to make sure I'm reading it correctly. Because not everyone believes they like to read it, which is cool. I like it when you believe me because I'm telling you the truth. But honestly, um, if you want to read it for yourself, I get it. Now, Ezekiel has some really interesting passages about Babylon. It's really important in Ezekiel and Jeremiah. Now, in this podcast, I'm completely skipping the book of Jeremiah. That's where a lot of the really important end times Babylon prophecies are written. But a lot of it is stuff that we extrapolate out to understand the meaning and also, we know it's, uh, we think of it as a dual prophecy, something that was fulfilled in the past and will be fulfilled again. And you got to know the meaning of the verse. So I don't know where pastors are on this. I don't know if they understand those Jeremiah passages, but there are future prophecies, and it's bad for Babylon, man. It's not just the people who go there, it's bad for Babylon also. So when we get to the Ezekiel passages, There's a whole bunch in the book of Ezekiel. And when we read these, there's a lot of really important passages about Nebuchadnezzar. And I think that's important for comparing Babylon in the future. People will say, like, well, what did Nebuchadnezzar do? You can read a lot about it in the book of Ezekiel. And you're like, okay, Nebuchadnezzar didn't do nearly as badly as the devil. The devil is fucking awful. If the devil, the Antichrist, and the false prophet start commanding armies, those armies will do awful things. The, the devil likes to send hordes, huge hordes of men to attack suddenly. And, uh, and then the devil might tell them to kill every man, woman, and child. I'm not kidding you. The devil is horrible. So people might say, well, Nebuchadnezzar took people and stuff, but Lucifer just fucking murders people, man, and burns them to the ground or whatever. Like, you might be like, wow, Lucifer is fucking horrible, dude. Nebuchadnezzar was not nearly as bad as the, as the devil. And then you can understand some more of the word of God, maybe. So that's the um, Ezekiel passages. Now, lastly, there's the Jeremiah passages. I'm going to skip those. And the reason is... Um, <coughs> It's just too much. It would take hours, probably. So that's my uh, Babylon podcast. It's a long podcast, I know. So I'm just going to stop it right now.